Hello, everyone. This is your brief reminder that this conversation was recorded a couple of years ago and so will lack any references to more modern content, particularly 7 Remake and the Pixel remasters, should there be any relevant conversation there. This is also your spoiler warning. This is one of these interlude episodes where we talk about just about every game in the series, and we play it pretty fast and loose with spoilers. So if there's some stuff throughout the series you really don't want ruined for you, particularly when it comes to Sid characters, you may want to skip this one. The very next episode is on Mystic Quest, and then we get into... Final Fantasy V, speaking of the Pixel remasters. Uh, for those of you who can't wait to just listen to the rest of them, all of them up through the end of Final Fantasy VII, they're all available on patreon.com ffweekly. And if you're interested in more Final Fantasy talk, other video games, comic book movies, Star Wars, professional wrestling, and pro sports, I do all of that over on my personal Patreon at patreon.com slash dcproductions. Now, without any further ado... Let's get to the show. Welcome in to Final Fantasy Weekly. I'm Drew Creaseman. And I'm Ira Creaseman. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite Final Fantasy grandpa and or uncle, Sid. <laughs> yes, Sid. S- Sid is a little bit like the series itself, tough to classify. Also like the series itself, seemingly been around forever, made his first appearance in the second game, has been in all of the main entries ever since and was retroactively put into the first game. And he's been in most of the side content, again, kind of like this series itself. It's hard to tell exactly what qualifies as Final Fantasy and what is more of an offshoot and a side thing. And it's hard to tell exactly how many SIDs there are. And, uh, you know, sometimes even multiple versions of the same SID have appeared in different properties. But one thing we know for sure is that Final Fantasy and SID have become as interlocked as maybe any two symbols in this series. One of the other things about Sid is like the game itself, he's often changing. There are some core characteristics, but uh, the dressing, the the background, the degree of crankiness, uh, all of those are subject to change much like Final Fantasy itself. Wanted to begin with a quote from the man himself, the creator. <laughs> of both Sid and of Final <laughs> Fantasy. To get ourselves started, Hironobu Sakaguchi said in an interview to Electronic Gaming Monthly 2, man, those were the days back when yeah. we could have multiple Electronic Gaming Monthly magazines. Uh, in August 1997, he said, there really isn't any deep meaning to it. We just wanted to make a character that would appear in various forms in all the games. I guess I've always had a soft spot for that kind of character. Sid is like Yoda from the Star Wars series. Very intelligent and wise. And, yeah, yeah, I I think, again, that speaks to what you were just talking about. In several ways, I think that a lot of how Final Fantasy started, there wasn't necessarily a super deep meaning to it. It grew in time and would kind of gain meaning as they went on. But that's something that will 
we'll talk about as we go throughout this conversation. That being said, since it is such a big conversation and it's tough to it, it's tough to give a complete conversation about every iteration of Sid in every Final Fantasy. So for the first time on the podcast, I okay. have finally succeeded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In coercing. Yes. Forcing my brother. You know I can beat you up anytime I want, right? <laughs> you got to drive a couple of hours, but that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> but in order in order to I think give some structure to this conversation. And don't worry, we'll talk about plenty of sids that are left off, but we do have some top 10 lists for you so we can give a bit of priority to the SIDs that we feel like are the best representations of the concept. We really didn't actually, given all the rubric setting I've forced us to do on this podcast, I didn't hold us to anything on these particular ones. This really is just, I think, for the most part, our favorite SIDs with the understanding that we both tend to think in terms of literary devices anyway and how strong they are as characters. We both, you know, as writers, I think, think of characters in that way to begin with so mostly favorites with some added bonus if we feel you're a particularly well-conceived character i gave in to this idea of creating a list because there are a lot of sids and trying to get every single one from every mobile game ever might have been a bit of a task it is an interesting intellectual exercise why you might put one above the other or why you might admit that maybe your top three or four could have been interchanged it, it does allow for talking about a theme or a character or an idea in a way that that forces you to talk about what your priorities are when you're when you're discussing what you do and do not like in storytelling so yeah f forcing us to talk about what we prioritize and, and I think I'll get into that as we go through the list is is an interesting exercise even if I don't want to choose favorites yeah, it's funny. One of the things I felt as I was making this list is I was at first surprised by just how many there were. And then I was a little bit surprised by how many I felt like didn't make that much of a lasting impact on me. I felt like it was really easy for me to separate who my top 10 actually were, less so to order them. Ordering them sure. was, was the difficult part for me. One last bit of housekeeping before we jump into the list. Wanted to set out a couple of the most important, or what we feel are the most important characteristics of a Sid, other than being named Sid. Even though there's an exception even to that rule, there's an exception to all of these rules. The first being they tend to be older gentlemen of various degrees of crankiness, though they're usually on the high end. Of course, exceptions to both of those rules. The second, they tend to occupy, although Hironobu Sakaguchi compared them to Yoda, we see them more in the Merlin, Gandalf, Obi-Wan Kenobi vein, a guide that rarely but sometimes has a direct impact on the story, meaning that they may or may not join the party in the video games, but they tend to be more of the guide for what can be seen as the main character. Three, they tend to be related in some way to the advancement of technology, and along with that, tend to be related to the airship in any given game. Four, they typically have a connection of some kind to the villains or the Empire. Usually, they end up betraying the Empire on behalf of the heroes. Five, there's almost always a really memorable standout scene for the Sid at some point in the game, if not multiple ones, and there's almost always an incorporation 
exploration of the technology and a big escape at some point during that scene. And the sixth and maybe the most important one is that Sid can almost always be a reflection or a representation of the thematic core of whatever Final Fantasy game he is in. With that, let's get into it. We're going to do this as follows. I'll start with my number 10, and then we'll go to Ira's number 10. If we have repeats throughout, we'll, we'll try to just mention that. But each time we get to a new character, we're going to dive into that one a little bit. Starting with my number 10, drum roll, and we don't have a last name. We couldn't find we, some of these we've got last names for. I'm calling him Albed Sid. From sure, Final sure. Fantasy X. On the crankiness meter, ranks pretty high, I would say. He ranks pretty high also on the uh, having a cool airship and a cool look and uh, an interesting role in the story meter. Uh, one of the things that I really like about this version of the Sid is that his crankiness is well understood as the leader of a group of outcasts, uh, of racial outcasts even, that the Albed are ostracized for their role in embracing technology in a world where you're not supposed to do that and I think he uh, stands as an interesting representation and reflection of that and also as an outsider is a bit more foreign to our main cast than a lot of the other SIDS in the series might be. Sure they're not really interested in trusting him too much I mean other than Riku who is his daughter and Yuna who is his niece uh, the rest of the group is a bit wary of him, especially Waka. Waka's the one who, who holds a lot of those racial prejudices further into the game, further into the story than I would have thought. Also, a common theme for a great Sid is a fantastic and memorable escape scene. And he has <laughs> nice. one of the best. He, spoilers, blows up home, as, the, as it's called, in a pretty dramatic scene and uh, yeah pretty memorable escape there for the party so again stuff that he does that impacts the squad also I really like I know at the time it was controversial I like the design for the airship in Final Fantasy X a lot I think it strikes a really cool in-between balance of old style and futuristic looking and so i've always thought that that whole aesthetic of them together really cool all right number 10 on ira's list sid randell from final yes. fantasy tactics advance probably someone that uh people I, I think i maybe even overlooked him a little bit so tell us a bit about sid randell sure the SIDs from the tactics games don't fall into the same tropes that the SIDs in the numbered games do and in that they're generally not engineers. Instead, they tend to be really badass warriors. Sid Randell, in the sort of make-believe version of Ivalis that our heroes find themselves in, he is changed from the depressed, almost slovenly, now a heavy drinker after, after the death of his wife, he, he sort of fell into this depression, and when Mute Randall, his son, is able to remake some of the world the way he wants it, he makes his father, Sid Randall, into the Judge Master of this fairy tale version of Ivalis. So as a Judge Master, he, he gets to set the laws and enforce the laws, and he gives out... He's the one who gives out red cards, by the way. Yeah. 
And so I just think it's from a story perspective, I think it's interesting because instead of being a father figure, he's literally a father. And he's taking this position of authority in this magical land because it was given to him by his son's imagination, which just strikes me as an interesting way to tell a story. Like, this is who I want my father to be. I'm not happy with who he is now. This is who I want him to be. And he is, when he finally joins the party, he is much like a, a Sid that's probably higher on both our lists, a powerhouse. And, and that is also interesting from a gameplay point of view. I love everything about that character. Like you said, I think I mostly overlooked him and, and wasn't really remembering it as strongly. I need to go back and play Tactics Advance before we talk about it at some point on the podcast because, yeah, all of that stuff is remarkably compelling. And so I think the only thing that dropped that one off my list was just the lack of remembering him, but that doesn't necessarily mean he was less memorable. Definitely worth sure. going back and diving into that character. I'm actually going to skip over my number nine for right now, so I'm already bucking the rules that I just made up. You just I was going to say, you set rules. I know. All right. I'm, I'm getting rid of them because my number nine is ranked much higher on your list. Okay. And I, I think that'll be an interesting conversation for later. So let's go to your number nine. Sure. Another one that did not make my list. Okay. All right. Uh, Sid Priva, or Previa maybe, of Final Fantasy V. Uh, he's actually part of a duo in Final Fantasy V. It's Sid and his grandson, Mid. They are the, the engineers of, of the world of Final Fantasy V. And if you know anything about Final Fantasy V, you know saying the world of Final Fantasy V is a bit misleading. He is responsible for the machines that the various kingdoms are using to enhance the power of the crystals which eventually leads to their... Uh, so he, he does this because it makes life in those kingdoms easier, right? But having done so, it makes the crystals fragile, and then X-Death's goons are able to shatter them, uh, and that's how X-Death gets released. So when you first meet Sid in Final Fantasy V, he's in jail because he's trying to get the Fire Kingdom, whose name escapes me at the moment, to stop using the amplifier machine that he created because he knows what's coming. He, he has seen his mistake and he wants to stop it. Uh, and he uses his last explosives not to escape prison, but to accidentally enter your cell. So he, he and his grandson provide a bit of the comedy relief in Final Fantasy V. They also do that thing that a lot of SIDs do where they are at least partially responsible for the rise of the bad guy. So in this case, he, it's, it's not any one kingdom that's becoming the evil empire, but rather that he's making it so that X-Death can be released from his prison by making the crystals brittle. There's also an interesting artistic... I'm, it's not really a goof, but it's a, a quirk, I guess. In the portrait art, Sid does not wear glasses, but his sprite does. And in the portrait art of his grandson, Mid, Mid wears glasses, but his sprite does not. So that's a that's a peculiar little difference yeah, that, that I like to note. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and my reaction to this pick is similar to the last one. I remember Sid and Mid. I remember them as a quality, as you kind of put it, co comedic act. Nice little duo. Uh, didn't stand out in my memory as much, but was in contention to make my number 10 spot. And some of that, I think, 
was probably just ultimately my feelings toward Final Fantasy X ended up outweighing my feelings toward Final Fantasy V, which is not necessarily the exercise we're supposed to be doing here. <laughs> <laughs> we're making up these rules and breaking them as we go. We can do whatever we want. That's exactly right. So let's move into number eight because we both have the exact same number eight. <laughs> How about that? I think it fits perfectly in this spot, obviously. I think this is about right. And again, one that other people might not even cl include, might not say counts. We sure. say he very much counts. Yes. The only Sid who spells it with an S. <laughs> Dr. Sid of Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. As voiced by Donald Sutherland. Yeah, Dr. Sid Sutherland hmm. is... <laughs> I don't think he's given it a last name, right? No, I, I don't believe so. Or maybe Sid right. is supposed to be his last name. I think that's one of the things that people weren't so sure about. Has a bit oh, of a ring of Mr. Sid to it, though. Right, right, yeah. right. I talked a lot about Sid Previa. Why don't you start us off with Dr. Sid? So one of the things that's always been interesting to me about the conversation surrounding Final Fantasy, the spirits within is the number one critique has always been it's not Final Fantasy enough. It doesn't bear enough of a resemblance to the games. Just keep that in mind for a moment. Sid is a scientist studying the Gaia theory, which suggests that when beings die, they do not completely cease to exist, but instead join something akin to the life stream in Final Fantasy 7 or going to the far plane in Final Fantasy 10. It is built around this ideology that Hironobu Sakaguchi is, same, is famous for really embracing after the death of his mother. Sid and the main character, Dr. Aki Ross, voiced by Mulan and yes. May, Agent May, <laughs> Agent Melinda May of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Right, uh, right. Are tasked with proving to the world that the Gaia theory is real and are therefore seen as outcasts in the story. And uh, w without getting too much into the entirety of that movie, because you better believe we're going to jump into that <laughs> on this podcast and talk about it. We've got it planned. This Sid, in terms of importance to the story of a Final Fantasy thing is as integral to what happens and, you, you know, the, the thematic core as well, not just the plot, but as we've always talked about, the themes. And there's a pretty great scene early on in the movie, one of his first, after they've just come from not really being able to convince the council and things like science, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where he burns all of his notes and he tells Dr. Ross to keep all of her notes in her head so that they don't end up in jail for the rest of their lives for promoting outlandish, scary theories. And, right, uh, which sounds familiar to certain real-world scientists of days gone by. And, and not so gone by. So uh, I think this Sid really is a fantastically conceived and developed character. I love that he's voiced by Donald Sutherland. It's a great voice. It's a classic Hollywood voice uh, on top of yes. all of these other things. And so, yeah, man, I just, and, and I know some people don't get into it, but I, I do feel an attachment to Dr. Sid in, in a lot of ways and feel like he is as much the hero of that story as Aki Ross. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't think I really have anything to add. I think he's a great character. I think it's a great voice. Uh, I think he fits a lot of the tropes. He's got the father figure thing going on. He's got the the uh, advanced technology thing going on. I know I said I wasn't going to say anything, but uh, that's that's just how I roll. I, I know how to ramble. Well, and even knowing that he works for the man, if we can broadly right. categorize the Empire as the people who hold power, and in this case it is the military of the people he's working for who go way over the top and end up doing some terrible stuff. Right. Oof. So that relationship, it's all there. It's all very similar, but still quite different. All right, let's move on. Number seven on my list, and I must admit that this is largely a, and I bemoan this when other people do it at times, but I just like this character because I think he's cool. I think he looks cool. I think he sounds cool. I barely remember how much of an impact he had on the plot, but Al Cid from Final Fantasy XII. <laughs> sure, sure. Purple hair and his ridiculous outfit and his voice. The sunglasses. The sunglasses, the the accent on his voice. I could listen to that voice forever. And he also gets some really quality writing. He mostly plays the rogue who helps the story along a little bit. He's the second of two SIDs in this game, and we'll get back Mm -hmm. to that. So in a way, he's even overshadowed in his own game. I just know that as a like a guttural reaction whenever he showed up on screen. I was like, yes, that guy's here. He's going to say some cool stuff and <laughs> walk out. And we're all going to be like, whoa. <laughs> My little emperor waiting. You called and I have come. <sighs> this is the man I wanted you to meet. Believe it or not, he is a member of the noble house Margrace, rulers of the Rosarian Empire. I am but one of very, very many. Try as I might, I could not stop this war alone. Thus, I came seeking Lars's assistance. Uh... I'll seed Margrace at your service. To think I stand before the Lady Ash, it is truly an honor. Uh... I see it is true after all. Ah, stunning is Dalmasca's desert bloom. I believe that officially, according to whomever gets to say things officially, he is not the Sid of Final Fantasy XII. But, you know, who, how much the author, or authors in this case, get to make that determination, I think, is fun to play with. So yeah, that's that's an interesting choice. I gotta admit, other than you know the hat and the sunglasses and the voice, I don't remember a lot about this guy. Yeah, I I, I totally understand that. Like I said, I'm not sure I do either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and sometimes that's that's okay too. Let's. Uh, so the next seven on your list is Albad Sid, who we yeah, have Sid of the Albad, who we've already yeah. talked about. So, so you ranked your uh, Albed Sid at number 10. I ranked mine at 7. I, I think, for me, the reason I ranked him higher was as much about the attitude. I mm. just, I kind of love his cranky, get-it-done attitude, and I just, uh, th- that bumped him a few. So when we're talking about what I prioritize as far as characters or as far as Sid characters, attitude might be part of it. So number 6 
on my list. Does this qualify as a SID? Technically not, because what I'm about to say is not the word SID, but number six on my list. Cindy. Dude. From Final Fantasy you, 15. People are going to be up in arms. The 20 people who listen to this podcast <laughs> and have opinions, they're going to be up in arms over this, this choice. Perhaps, but I stand by it. I really enjoyed the final execution of the Cindy character and concept. Like a lot of people, when I first saw her in trailers, I was a little bit taken aback. Final Fantasy, we talked about it even going back to the Final Fantasy IV character designs, some of the women maybe being specifically trying to be alluring, but even those are far more subtle than what Cindy is wearing in 15. And we can be honest about that. She's clearly designed to be enticing. She's got a lot of skin showing, a lot of cleavage, her butt's coming out of her shorts. I get it. I get all of that. And and I also understand that it's not practical for her job, which is mechanic. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. But I think, like any critique of a character like that would say, you can't just boil a character down to how they look any more than you can a person. And Cindy as a character to me was exceptionally interesting always holding her own in conversations with the prince like she brings the prince down a notch she is unequivocally their buddy despite their position the men do not treat her they talk once in a while about liking her but they don't Mm -hmm. talk about her physical attributes they don't swoon over her they treat her with respect she's the smartest engineer around taking after her father and being able to do things like make your car fly (laughs) and and she's got a great deal of her own personality and it reminds me a lot of plenty of women that i know who are yeah they're a bit more open about showing their body then sometimes i'm like yeah you sure there's a lot of gross dudes out there that are gonna but they're like you know whatever i'm confident i feel good and part of looking this way helps me feel confident and i felt like her drive and confidence really helped the guy she's more confident than any of those guys and she had to help them through their journey every step of the way and and i think that yeah i just i really really loved her i agree cindy is a a fantastic character Uh, her design is a bit uh, it is a bit off-putting especially from the practical point of view that said learning her backstory learning about why she is interested in mechanics especially in headlights that particular detail is is especially important and and knowing that it's not cranky old sid uh, of hammerhead service station who gets your car to fly who gives you your airship but rather Cindy. So it had not occurred to me to include Cindy as even a possibility. She doesn't appear on my list at all. But considering that she has those qualities, I I think she does count as a Sid. So well done. Nice choice. And again, part of it is the outfit, but she's very memorable. She's one of the main characters of that story. In fact, there have been talks 
about whether or not there would be an all-female spinoff featuring Luna Freya, Iris, and Cindy, and Aranaya. That would be fun. Yeah. Holy cow. I would play that game. I would play it a lot. <laughs> so the boys show up at Hammerhead Station, right? And they go and they stay in the, the camper off to the left there. And Cindy calls up her buddies. And they go for a they, joyride. They take the, the regalia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, the, the boys don't know this can happen yet. Watch what happens when I push this button. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds like fun. All right. Yeah. I dig it. All right. So number six on your list, I found this interesting and I went back and forth on whether or not to include him on my list, obviously decided not to, but I'm very interested to hear your argument. You might talk me into the fact that I may have made a mistake here. (laughs) Professor Robin Williams, Sid Kramer. Headmaster of Balam Garden. So I got to think that he was in charge of choosing the music that plays when you run around the hallways. See, already you're talking me into it. That's the best campus music that's maybe ever been written. So I like this Sid. And again, the the rankings are hard for me. Like, why is this Sid above Albed Sid? Tough to say. I think one of the reasons that... I chose this Sid at, uh, at all was because of the moment where he reveals that Balam Garden is, in fact, the airship. And then you get to drive this giant school around the, the world map. It's just such a cool moment. Like, we're, we're in this bad situation. I think there are motorcycles being catapulted at us. And he just sort of, like, reveals, oh, yeah, I've got one more trick up my sleeve. He's not as engineery as a lot of the Sids. He's also not quite as cranky. In fact, he's a little more reserved. In the relationship between him and his wife, the sorceress Adia, he is the more passive of them. He's, he's the less aggressive of them. So on the crankiness scale, he, he ranks pretty low. But he is fascinating to me for that. He, he's really a leader who leads with quiet confidence as opposed to any sort of bluster. Uh, and I really appreciate that about him. Uh, again, the ranking is a bit odd. I, I, th- I think Dr. Sid of Spirits Within has a lot of those same, you know, quiet qualities that I appreciate. Why is Sid Kramer above Dr. Sid? I don't know. My brother made me make a list. <laughs> but that moment, that I mean, that moment when he when he turns the garden into an airship, and then all the uh, flashbacks where it turns out he and Adia are just like raising kids on the beach are really touching to me. So I, I chose him for that father figureness that uh, Sid Randell also has. I don't know, man. What do you think? I think he's a great character. And again, one that I remembered, I think some of my critiques of him are perhaps misplaced. I think that because he was he's kind of undercut a couple of times by that weird Norg Thing, having been, you know, in, in charge secretly of, of the garden for a little while and that he doesn't really do a whole lot. Like you mentioned, he he's more passive in a game that has a lot more angst coming from its main characters. And so that's kind of an interesting reversal, but, you know, leads to him stepping aside for Squall and Adia and other people to take the more lead role, which I guess ultimately they all do. Uh, sure. So, sure. so I, I'm not quite sure why I would hold that 
against him. But yeah, I mean, he's he's a good character. You're right. The reveal about the garden being the airship is really cool and fantastic. I know some people hated it because they would say there's no actual airship in that game. But, well, I mean, there's the dragon later, but that's a spaceship, right. so whatever. But yeah, I, you know, <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know that you talked me into putting them on my list, but I'm glad you've got them on yours. And that's one of the things that I think is cool and, and fun and interesting about doing these. All right, let's get to another one where somehow we actually both ended up with the exact same pick. <laughs> it's worth noting. Five. That we've created our list independently, and I still haven't seen Drew's list. I'm just taking his word for all of this. Right, and and that, that's going to be interesting when we get to the next one, too. But, yeah, you, you have not seen both lists. I'm the only one that has. And at number five, we both have TG, the Thunder God, Sidolphus Orlando from Final yeah. Fantasy Tactics. And not just because he looks almost exactly like Obi-Wan Kenobi and destroys all of the monsters in that game and becomes super awesome, badass, powerful member of your party and everything he says is cool. And um, You know, that, that is, is a big part of it, though. Actually, that might, that's a that big part of the reason. Yeah, yeah Sidolphus Orlando, as the Sids of Evelis are named. They're all named Sidolphus, I think. Yeah, he's being an incredible badass is is a big part of it. It's almost a little disappointing when you get him because all these characters you've been building up this whole time pale in comparison. But it's also just interesting the the turn that he makes, right? He he's fighting for one of the royal families. He's fighting for one of the lions and has been for a long time. And when when you finally meet up with him, He's about had it, and he decides that, you know what, I'm going to throw in with these heretics because they actually are interested in fighting for the common man, which is why I got into this in the first place. It's not like I wanted to go around slaughtering enemy soldiers with my badassery. It was I wanted to fight for what's right. I guess in that way, he he is a lot like Obi-Wan Kenobi, who, I mean, he never really fought for the Empire, but at some point... There was a minute there where it was difficult to tell the Republic from the Empire. And, you know, a lot of those people used to be his friends. And, and, you know, I guess the Stormtroopers would be the biggest example of that, right? Like that army used to be his army. Oh, sure. uh, Commander Cody in particular in in, uh, Attack of the Clones seems to have a good relationship with General Kenobi. And it's worth noting that the uh, Jedi Order throughout those three films... The Jedi Order is not the hero of those movies. There are individual Jedi. Like, individually, the Jedi are heroic. But the Jedi Order has done goofed. And the culmination of that goof, uh, I think, speaks volumes at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So, similarly, the Thunder God, Sidolphus Orlando, has, yeah, has about had it with the hubris of whichever... I can't even remember who whose side he's on in the War of the Lions. I can't either, but... Uh, when we get to that game, there are no good sides in, right. <laughs> and that's what he discovers again, putting him kind of at the thematic core of the game that, and again, though, I don't know that there's a whole lot having to do with him and engineering. Mustadio kind of no. carries that yeah. role in that story. Yeah, the, the tactics SIDS don't really engineer. They just bad the ass as it were, <laughs> but he, he did. Yeah. Play a role at one point for an army that he has since forsaken. Very common Sid trope. Speaking of which that gets me to my number four, 
A SID that I think does not appear on your list because uh, you haven't gotten as far through the game. I have now finally completed just mm. the base game yeah. for Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn, and I'm a bit into the post-game content. And knowing that there's probably still more development and more cool, as you put it, assing of the battery. Nope, no, nope, not quite. Uh, to come from Sid Garland, which, first yeah. of all, having that as a yeah. last name is a pretty fantastic addition to your Final Fantasy resume, a throwback to the first game. One of the things that I do not know about this character in full I do know that he played a role in the original Final Fantasy XIV that was not a success, we'll say. Right. And had Before to be... the realm was reborn. Right. And so he's got this built-in backstory that they can reference that some people are going to understand. I don't understand entirely, but like that he has that backstory there, that he doesn't remember who he is for most of the story of A Realm Reborn. He you know doesn't remember that he was this again an engineer for the empire helped them in the discovery and invention of magitech and their ability to take over much of the realm with those powers is uh, became a member of the scions of the seventh dawn rebelled against the empire i'm going to do a a big spoiler alert right now but because it it was a major part of what played into him making my top five, despite the fact that this is the newest Sid to me by far. I go back 25 years with some of these other Sids, but there is a scene right near the final confrontation where the leader of the Empire begs Sid Garland to come back and be his lead of engineering again. And the back and forth that they have, he essentially speaks for every Sid who ever existed in this monologue that he gets to give. And I just, uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is an excellent character. I love his design. I love what they did with, you know, you having to help him remember who he is and then helping him restore his airship, the enterprise to its full glory. <laughs> I, I think he as a character is essentially an homage to all of the Sids that have come before him. And that's a pretty cool thing to have pulled off. I do like this character. You're right. I don't know him as well as you do. Uh, my experience with gaming online is almost universally negative. And I realize I can play most of that game without interacting with people. But still, it's just one of those things that I tend not to get into. Uh, but what I know of him, I like. I like seeing him work with the big dude and the little dude. Biggs and Wedge, man. Yeah, Biggs and Wedge. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, what, what I know of him, I like. He just didn't, you know, make my list. Yeah, um, but I think especially once the full kind of party comes together at the end of that game and he's, again, a father figure leading, doing all the cool stuff, bringing the scions of the Seventh Dawn together in a climactic conclusion, I really enjoyed that. So let's get to your number four, though. So this is another interesting one. <laughs> is it? I thought this was almost an obvious choice. Sid Sofiar of Final Fantasy XV. Old man Sid sitting in his lawn chair, letting his... Cindy's his granddaughter or his daughter? I think granddaughter. I think granddaughter. Okay. So letting his granddaughter take over Hammerhead. He does have... He's definitely got the engineering thing going on. He's not really in any way connected with the Empire. He is, however, connected to the King of Lucius, Sean Bean himself... 
<laughs> in that they were old buddies. They adventured together. He will help out when it comes to fixing up your your mechanical weapons, so your auto crossbow and your not your gun blade, but like your engine blade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't I don't understand, but that's cool. Again, the crankiness factor comes in here. I like him. I like that he's so crusty. I like that he's got so much attitude. That he's got such a history, and we barely know any of it. And we know it's important to Noctis's father, and ultimately to Noct, because Sid can tell uh, Noctis about his dad some, and and that whole relationship was strained, and so that makes for some interesting storytelling. I just think he's a really interesting character. I like how he has sidelined himself. I like how he. He only does things, you know, he's only taken on the small jobs. He, he really has stepped back in a way that Sid Kramer did, too, to let the kids take over. You know, my time has passed. I'm happy to be here and help out when I'm needed. I've got a few words of advice. They got a little crust on them, but they're good for you. Yeah, I I can't disagree with any of that. I obviously just went to his granddaughter for my pick for that role in that game, but He's pretty awesome. Another thing I really like is that there's a picture that tells like a whole yes. story. You just see yes, this indeed. one picture of him with the king and a couple other buddies out on an adventure, very much like the one you're going through now. And it just fills you with this whole understanding of what their adventure might have been like. And, and because it's similar to the one you're going on now and the importance of his buddies and like you said that that relationship got strained is tragic especially knowing where how much noctis is going to need his buddies and so right in this one moment in this one picture you get like an entire cautionary tale of remember your buddies so sid sophia did not make your list at all is that right yeah, and again, like, why? Why? How right. is that even possible? <laughs> I think probably just because in my brain I went, who was the Sid from 15? Oh, yeah, it was more Cindy than anything, and, and I just right. went that way with it. And I, I almost wish I could do a cop-out and combine them as one character and put them near the top of my list, but no, they're two very different yeah. characters. And yeah, I think they're too distinct for that. I think you could do that with Sid and Mid. Of sure. five, but I don't sure. think you do that with Sid and Cindy of 15. No. And, you know, in, in hindsight, after having just listened to your argument, I, I may, or not even argument, just discussing the character, I, I may, maybe even would have to kick Albed Sid off my list and put Sophie R in there at number 10. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep going here because at number three, very high Ooh. on my list. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I've got someone you don't have on yours. <laughs> and again, I, I can guess probably why, and I'm going to make a run at this name. <laughs> Dr. Sadolfus Demon Bonanza. Otherwise yeah, known I, as uh, Nethesite Sid from Final yeah. Fantasy XII. Yeah. This is the Sid that goes the other way. The Sid that does not successfully throw off the yoke of the Empire and join the Revolution, despite given many opportunities to do so and despite the fact that his son has joined the Revolution. He has been driven mad by the power of the technology, in this case the Nethesite, that he has been engineering, manufacturing, as they say. 
and it has driven him insane. He's also been messed with by the gods of this world. Uh, Dr. Sidolphus, you keep expecting him, or at least I did, to turn, uh, to show you some kind of redeemable quality even, if he doesn't fully come to the side of the good guys, because he's a Sid to do something to help the team to see the error of his ways, and that he remains gone made his tragedy for me stick that much harder. Plus, when he goes full tilt crazy and turns himself into a monster and attacks you, it's really cool and awesome. <laughs> that, was a, that was a neat scene. I agree. Yeah. But And maybe he stands out again. Maybe I'm leaning on that the old speed racer uh, methodology sure. of uniqueness. He stands out to me because... He's the one Sid that remains villainous to the very end, and it broke my heart, man. Yeah, it, it's an interesting move to make uh, a Sid a full-on bad guy. Never does in any way even attempt to redeem himself. I think he's an interesting character. He just didn't resonate with me for some reason. Um, I don't. I don't have a, a good justification for that. He's just. He's a good character. He's interesting, but he does not resonate with me the way some of the other, uh, the other Sids do. Uh, it is also worth noting that Bunansa is also Mustadio's last name. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're related, but Mustadio and his father Besrudio from Final Fantasy Tactics do share a surname with Doctor Sidolfus Demon Bunansa. Yeah, that's fun. Well, and they they are also engineers, right? They're the engineers of tactics. Right. Okay. Let's move on now to your number three and my number Excellent. two, because they are the same. And it is one we've talked about a little bit recently because we've already covered this game. Our favorite great big bearded Sid. Sid Polandina of Final Fantasy yeah. IV. Uh, it's worth noting, we, I don't think we mentioned this when we talked about the art, music, and gameplay of Final Fantasy IV, but Sid Polandina's beard in the sprite form is, is uh, auburn, reddish-orange, but in the artwork, it's all black. Yeah. So, <laughs> another one of those weird quirks of how you, you know, change things from the sketches into the 2D art. And this whole character was a great big piece of 2D art. <laughs> he was animated and jumping around the screen, and when he sacrifices himself in a blaze of glory, there's a lot of sacrifice in that game, but very little blaze of glory until Sid jumps off the airship with a grenade right. in hand. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, this character is a lot about that attitude again. Uh, he is sort of father figure. He he is the crazy uncle. Uh, I I think I put him this high at least as much for his sacrifice as I did because he looks like a pirate f from a Studio Ghibli film. <laughs> right. And I think, and we'll jump into this in a little bit. I'm going to put it off for a moment. But I also think you've got to give some of those, we've talked about them, kind of Beatles points. Sure. You've got to yeah. give some points to this Sid, though he was not the first. We'll talk about it in a minute why there has to be a Sid character in every Final Fantasy game, but I think this one is a big part of the reason why. You go back and you see the role that he played, and it's kind of the 
the it is the prototype. Sure. It is the blueprint for what Sid should be. And light warriors are bound to need an Obi Wan Kenobi, but maybe with a little more of that stuff you're talking <laughs> about, a little more of that. The, the crazy uncle. <laughs> yeah. Right. A little a little Han in there, Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's go then to your number mm-hmm. two and my number nine that I skipped over. Okay. Sid Del Norte Marquez, yes. which, by the way, I did not know that yeah, was his first I only know that because of the wiki. Does that mean that he is of some sort of Hispanic, probably not descent, but inspiration? Maybe. I mean, are the Sidolphuses uh, of Germanic inspiration? I don't know. I don't Perhaps. Know. Perhaps. So anyway, yeah, I, I really like this character. It, it, it's at least partially because he is a Sid of Final Fantasy VI. And I cannot separate Final Fantasy VI from my very being. Uh, I love this guy. I like him a lot. He, he does, he's again, he's a more passive Sid, uh, but he's still got some of that crustiness on him. He's a father figure to a lot of characters in the game, mostly Celeste, but also General Leo. I think he feels responsible for what happened to Kefka, as he should. I think he feels responsible for what happened to Terra as he should, and he tries to make amends from within. He's in Emperor Gestal's clutches, and he's trying to figure out, how do I create these Magitek devices, as I have been ordered to, without killing the Espers? And he kind of figures it out, but it's still torturous, right? And it's still, it's killing him. And then he's got one of the best sequences in any Final Fantasy ever, where if yeah, I was gonna say my thing is memorable scenes, and who's in a more memorable yeah. scene? If you don't catch enough fish, <laughs> it's okay. You can say it. <laughs> if you don't catch enough fish, Sid will die, and then Celeste, who's the one who's trying to catch fish, will throw herself off the cliff. It's just my God, I cannot not rank him highly because of. All of those things. It's such a conflicted character, and uh, that's why he's my number two. Though I got to say, my top—I would say my number four, three, and two—I could have swapped. My number one, though, is strongly number one. Yeah, I. You know, I think I did too much thinking with my head and not enough with my heart on this one. Even as you just described it, I ranked him lower on my list because he's not actually in the game all that much. His if you want to call it screen time, is relatively low compared to the rest of the people that I've got on my list. But I should at least have him over Al Cid. Come on, that's ridiculous. I I think I just, I I was trying to fight against what you were talking about, which is, well, it's the Final Fantasy VI one, and that game is so damn good that, you know, and that scene is so good that I didn't want to, but you're right, he's more than just, the one scene and the conflict again his conflict is at the center of that game's themes and 
great escape scene, mm-hmm. great not so escape mm-hmm. scene. Um, yeah, I may have to rethink my positioning of him, though. I, I still think I'm going to keep him outside of my top five, just based on the others given more room to to do some stuff, uh, <laughs> just doing some sure, stuff sure. out there. Before we do our number one pick, which, by the way, is the same pick, and there's been uh, anyway. If you're listening to this, you're probably noticing a glaring omission to this point in the conversation. You can probably guess who it's going to be. Let's talk about a few of the SIDs that did not make our list. Real briefly, there was the very first SID in Final Fantasy II, a former Knight of Finn. It doesn't really make much of an impact. Dies in an Imperial bombing. But not a whole lot to remember about that, Sid. We talked about Mr. Mm-hmm. Sid from Final Fantasy III, which that's maybe the most interesting thing about him is that he's Mr. Right, Sid. Right. He uh, does have a last <laughs> name. His last name's Hayes, but I don't think you learned that in the game. Right. We didn't talk, interestingly, about Sid Fabul from Final <laughs> Fantasy IX, who is memorable for being turned into right, an Oglop. Right. Yeah, this Sid uh, doesn't strike me. I mean, I, I remember him. I played that game a couple times. He's fine. It's fine. Yeah, doesn't really get to do much. There are a lot more interesting characters in that game, for sure. We can put another check mark next to haven't played Final Fantasy XI, right. but there is, of course, a Hume engineer of Bastok, as we looked up, named Sid. Uh, Final Fantasy XIII, Sid Reigns, is a character, I remember the design, I just don't remember that much about his role in that game, and it, it might be, again, just 13 not sticking yeah. with me as I, much. I played that game once. I barely remember Sid Reigns. In fact, I think I remember Al Sid, Al Sid Margrace, more than I remember Sid Reigns. Yeah. I, yeah, I absolutely, obviously. Yeah, because he's on your list. <laughs> my list. But uh, if there's anyone out there, again, we'll always say this. You want to write a, a passionate argument in favor of Sid Reigns as a super interesting character, then let us know and, and we'll take a look at it. Absolutely. We did not talk about... Any of the Final Fantasy, let's see, Tactics Advance right. 2? I actually like this character. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like the wolf people. He's actually, an, I think this is a, an interesting character. He's also not an engineer. He, he's more, you know, in the being a badass warrior trope. I think he's an interesting character, but I don't have a lot to say about him. Uh, obviously, he didn't stick with me as strongly as, uh, as the ones on my list. Another one that uh, you have played a lot more than me, you actually finished this game, was Final Fantasy right. Type-O. I do not yeah, remember he, this. Yeah, well, kind of like uh, Dr. Sid Nethesite, he is an antagonist the entire time. He's a, the military leader of one of the factions. I can't remember which faction off the top of my head. And he, you're really fighting against him and his soldiers the whole time. He does not treat his faction very well it's uh whereas your faction the uh, the vermilion bird faction lives in a really nice place their place like is run down it's kind of uh, you know totalitarian regime looking i mean it, it looks like the pictures you see when you look at totalitarian regimes from uh history and or present day but it also turns out that he's trying to free the world from the cycle of the gods like controlling everybody's destiny so he's not 
while he's an antagonist the whole time, he's not really a bad guy. He He's not on my list because Type 0 is just not that great a game to me. There's a lot of interesting things going on, but yeah, he's just, he didn't crack the top 10. And our last two <laughs> other SIDs from other content, for, for real, are... Uh, Otto Sid Beckenstein from Final Fantasy Mystic right. Quest and uh, and the android from World of Final Fantasy is the other one. Let's talk about these two sure. real quick. So the uh, Otto from Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, I didn't know he was a Sid until I started researching Sids for this podcast. I just knew him as Otto. So the fact that he's got a Sid in his name is gratifying, but again, eh. Uh, World of yeah. Final Fantasy, the android, I don't... I might not like this, Sid. You want to try to turn me around on that? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't hate him. I've got a, a pretty high tolerance for stuff that's just kind of irritating or grating, which I think there's a couple of characters in that game that can kind of be that way, but I certainly wouldn't argue for any kind of deep, compelling nature to this character sure. at all. And it's worth mentioning that there are a whole host of other SIDs. There's a, there's a Lilty guy from one of the Crystal Chronicles. The Record Keeper game has a SID. We didn't really get into the mobile games for those SIDs. And clearly, uh, though I've played some of them, none of them have stuck out to me as being worthy of being on a list. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> sure. All right. And with that, we come to number one SID, Prime SID. <laughs> I honestly think if, if you're being objective here, this is the number one Sid. This is the greatest Sid of all time. And it is, of course, Sid Highwind of Final Fantasy VII. Man, what a cool character. He yeah. really is. So I, I've been talking about the Krusty scale. This guy actually uses foul language, right? <laughs> I think he, I think he and uh, Sophia of fifteen are the crustiest. But Sid Highwind gets to curse. He smokes. He's an engineer. He's not really much of a father figure to anyone in the party, I don't think. Uh, but he does get to go to space. Also, he he's also a dragoon. Yeah, I saw some debate about that recently, about whether or not he counted because he just carries a spear and does jump. But his last name is also Highwind. Which... But I get he doesn't wear the armor and he doesn't belong to, like, a class or a school of dragoons. But that's clearly his character class, right? The only other characters named Highwind are Richard Highwind from 2, Kane Highwind from 4... King Tycoon from Final Fantasy V is Alexander Highwind Tycoon, Fang Highwind from 13, and uh, Aranea Highwind from 15. And the only one of those I would say is maybe not a dragoon is King Tycoon, but he he flies on a Windrake and he, I mean, we never really see him fight, but my guess is he, he's meant to be a dragoon. Yeah. But yeah, I I love this Sid. I love his character design. I love his theme. I love his interaction in the story with the main characters at first being reluctant to give a damn. He's got his own goals. He's got the own, you know, the tragic story of 
having to cancel his trip to space in order to save his wife. Really, really heartbreaking scene, memorable scene there. So we, we've talked about that on our, you know, and, and he's got a few of them. He plays a major role, obviously, as a main character of one of the more memorable casts in the series. And he also appears in a lot of other stuff. He's in Advent mm-hmm. Children, gets to be, you know, pretty cool in that. He's uh, He plays a major role in Kingdom Hearts. Yes, he does. It's, this, it's that, ver- even if it's a different version, it's still this Sid Highwind. Right. You know, it's not smoking a sense. cigarette, though. Right. He was he <laughs> chewing on a stick. Straw. I think he's got a he's got toothpick straw. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and very little swearing. <laughs> <laughs> Comparatively, very little swearing. Uh, even himself is an indelible Final Fantasy image, and part of that just comes with being in Final Fantasy VII. Right. And I get that. Yeah. But you know, fair enough. Okay, so with that, with our list now complete, and we have objectively identified the 10 best SIDs who ever existed. (laughs) See, that's why I don't like lists. I know, right? But (laughs) let's ask a big question, as we like to do at the end of as many podcasts as we can. And I'll steal a phrase and ask, must there be a SID? Let's go back to what Hironobu Sakaguchi said. In the beginning, there was no point to it, and we have to, you know, bow to the creator and say, yeah, okay, there was no point to it in the beginning. Here we are 30 years after the beginning. There have been all of these SIDs. We just had this whole conversation about how they stand for the core and thematic elements in movies and games and very successful properties our attachment to them, some of them very recent, some of them stretching back a, a long, long time. We both had Sid Paul and Dina from Final Fantasy IV released in what, 1991, 1992 mm-hmm. in our top five. Why? Yeah. I think one of the things that Final Fantasy does well, and we've said it over and over and over again, is it does something new. It does something different. It's as as much about change as it is anything else. And so to have a through line, to have a character that you can look at and say, okay, I may not know anything else about this world, but I know that guy. Or I know a guy kind of like that guy. Or I, I know a version of that guy. I've seen this guy somewhere before, and I know what he's about, maybe. Either, either he's a sword saint, or he's a headmaster, or he's a or he's an engineer, or, or maybe he's gone mad because the gods messed with his brain. But I, I know something about this guy. It gives us a, a familiar quality, a familiar through line to help us understand the rest of the story. Uh, and you could have the craziest plot line in the world, and if there were a Sid in it, it would at least give you a spot from which you could stand and try to understand what's going on. You can stand in that spot and say, okay, I have a handle on this more or less through this lens. How can I understand the themes? Yeah, even our our top Sid Highwind is kind of the straight man in a story with a dog with a flaming tail and a kid with a sword bigger than his body and spiky hair. And his job is to kind of stand there like, any normal person would and say, what the f*** is going on here? <laughs> I don't think you you're know? allowed to say that on a podcast. 
Just like they did in 1997, there are things we can do to censor such language. And, <laughs> and so we shall. Because I, th- I think that's, you know, what a lot of people would be doing. I, I think furthermore, as you mentioned, that he's kind of our A lens with which we can see any of these stories that helps us kind of ground them in something a bit more familiar his role, as we've talked about, usually having something to do with the advancement of technology, reminds us that every single Final Fantasy game has something to say, both in terms of what it's actually saying with its story and how it's implemented, constructed, sometimes even the way it's released. We talked about with Final Fantasy IV going from almost pure fantasy to almost pure science fiction, and characters like Sid or the Sids of each game are representations of that idea. You talked about it being change, but a more specific idea of change, change for the betterment, science and knowledge as a symbol of something good, but also of something potentially dangerous. And we've talked about that. We usually see it go from the used for bad to used for good it throughout the story, that's usually the, the direction it goes, except for in 12 when it's used for bad and, and stays for bad. Well, and in a way, I think that Sid is representative of... Usually this is a guy we can count on to some degree, and even he could not stand up to the, the corruption of the gods. So Sid's a fun character, yeah? A fun trope, a fun thing to include in every, every chapter of this ongoing multiverse-spanning story. Yeah, I, I think so. I think in some ways he's the, oh, my God, you killed Kenny, that just you, you need to have <laughs> Speaking a of familiar language. thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> you need to have that familiar thing. and But in many ways, he does have to serve a particular role, not necessarily good or bad, but of reminding us of the potential of technology. And often science fiction is about the warning of if we go too far with that technology, the Red Wings appear, or Magitek armor, or, or the Nethesite, or who knows what. So it's worth being, like we talked about Fleetmaster Sid crowns King Cecil Harvey at the end of Final Fantasy IV, and how oftentimes in real life that was the job of the religious figure. The king you know, has the power of being a king because God says so. Well, in Final Fantasy IV, Cecil takes on the role of the king because... He's a hero, but also because science says so, or because understanding the world from a scientific standpoint says so. So maybe that's another way to think of it. So Sid is a reminder to be wise about how we implement and embrace our technology, and Sid is also a reminder that everybody needs a crotchety old grandpa or uncle or somebody to set them straight and keep them in line and make sure that the warriors of light can ultimately fulfill their destiny. I think basically what you just described is my job as a high school librarian. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're done. So yes, there must be a sin. There There must be a sin. There must be a sin. Agreed.